0: Welcome to the Animal Rescue Podcast, which you always wanted to know but didn't know who to ask. I'm your host, Keisha Farrand. My guest this week is trainer Mo Rodriguez. We discuss littermate syndrome, what it is, what it looks like, and how you can set dogs and puppies up for success. All right, Mo, thank you so much for joining me again on the animal podcast. Um I am actually super excited to have you on again to learn more about littermate syndrome. What mm. is what does it look like? What you know, people need to be aware of. So, first,
1: what does it what does littermate syndrome mean? Um typically occurs when two mates of the same litter <laughs> get adopted out into one family and they start to pack up and make decisions um, on their own without the consent or uh, any kind of meaningful intervention occurring from oh, a human. Okay. So what can that look like? Looks like, um, let's say that a human sets a boundary with one of the dogs in the house and they, Instead of looking back at the human and honoring them and, and honoring their guidance, they just look for their litter mate and pack up and make, try to enforce the decision um, together so that they, they team up and they take control. And a lot of the time, uh, in the beginning, it looks really cute. It looks like, um, you know, a brother and sister or sister and sister or brother and brother that love each other so much and they're inseparable. Um you know, but later on down the line, it can actually be quite problematic. Um, and then much, much later, <laughs> like when they get older, it tends to be a little bit more competitive because in their natural world or in the wild, it would be like only one of them can survive. The stronger one um, typically would be the one that's next in line to lead the pack
0: okay. when
1: you wouldn't have that confusion if it was just one of the um, one of the members of the litter in the household rather than two. So there wouldn't be so much conflict and competition yeah. for that position. It would just be very clear that the human is in charge. Yeah. Ideally, ideally.
0: Right. So what, when you are looking at an actual pack within the home, what are some problems that can arise?
1: Uh, Well, I think it would start very mild like over resources Um, that natural competitiveness would escalate to um, kind of the humans would become the resources that they might compete for um, just for status. Um, I've had it happen with littermate syndrome can happen with like a mom and daughter too. That can just be like something that like just represents the dynamic. They actually have to be from like two same age from the same litter. Like I've had a mother and daughter show symptoms of this as well. Yeah. And the daughter tried to kill the mother because oh my God. she was exhibiting weakness. Um. Um, <laughs> I know it's a lot. It's, it's, it's pretty intense. Like people come yeah. to us and they don't expect to, um, have those kinds of problems when they adopt out it's all out of the pureness of their heart they right. don't think to they they don't think that it could in any way be detrimental right for either member of the pack and, yeah. or their family or themselves so
0: right i mean we fell into that I, we actually adopted three litter mates
1: um <laughs> it's it's been quite that's good, good. um it's, <laughs> it's been quite the journey for sure you want to um, just tell me what's going on with your pack maybe we can bounce uh, off of that
0: I mean, for the most part, it's pretty easily manageable. The biggest Mm -hmm. issues are when one of them starts to feel nervous, then the Mm -hmm. other two jump in and go into beast mode, protection mode. Um,
1: Protecting the nervous one?
0: Yes. Or just reacting, protecting, I guess, Hmm. my words, my human ideas but it it just it when one seems a little bit more nervous Mm. the other ones what's actually
1: happening there is because they have such probably such strong pack drive from it being um, such strong imprints earlier on in life um i i would not i would be cautious around the word protect because protection is is something that's um it trained into a dog's certain kind of training um they don't actually know how to protect unless they're trained um but what i will say is that when there is any kind of level i mean you call it nervousness yeah Um, i'm going to take your word for that okay um in the pack uh the other two what they might be doing is troubleshooting so whenever there are cracks in the hierarchy anywhere where there's supposed to be a dog fulfilling a role and that dog falls short they will usually step up and fulfill the roles for them or become stronger to, to compensate for that, that loss of that, that kind of liability that's yeah. occurring. Um, so, uh, ideally you would have the dogs not feel responsible, very responsible for each other at all. Right. But that's very hard to ask of, um, dogs that were, that, that have core imprints with each other that should have probably been, um, I'm not saying it can't work it it can definitely work it just would be a lot of management because you mm-hmm. you'd have to think creatively and get these dogs to think for themselves and and um operate from a place of okay let me check in with the human mm-hmm. before I go ahead and make a decision with my pack member because they are actually the leaders of the pack and not any of us not any of the litter mates are actually the leader right. You know. Because to them, it's always going to be their pack versus you. So you're never going to be part of the picture unless you make a genuine effort and a daily commitment to managing, yep. uh, you know, and making a statement, that kind of stuff that la- that leaves lasting impressions. And also you have to think about the dog's drives. How how much um, of a statement do you have to make for it to actually sink in? Like the, um, the way you carry yourself is an impression. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the way you offer commands and everything that you ask for, and you follow through, and also the things you don't fo- you ask for and you don't follow through with—that's leaving impression. Right. Yeah. Um. Those those things are are just more because their pack drive with each other is probably so high. Mm-hmm. They just see it as more of an opportunity than say if you had um, trained two dogs from you know different backgrounds, different ages, different um, you know rescue stories that that kind of thing. It's a, a lot yeah. easier to integrate. When they don't have such a uh, core familiarity with each other, that can be that can be problematic because then it's always the the dogs against you. It's never you and the dogs. It's right. always like how can we kind of manipulate this situation for our, our benefit? So
0: yes, you know, no, and definitely we've noticed that. Um, and you know, in the beginning, it was oh, we'll just train all three together. We'll socialize all three together. But even then, like it just was not. We didn't approach any of it the right way. Mm. Obviously, you live and you learn. Yeah, you live Um, and you learn. Uh, How old are they now? They are just about five. So I've gone back and kind of all the way back to square one with training. Mm. Only training, training is only done one-on-one. And they can never see each other when the other one is training.
1: Mm. Um, Hmm. I would even say work with the triggers. Rather than avoid them completely. I would well, just say.
0: So my thought was. If I work with them one-on-one. Rebuild that relationship with each one individually. And yes. then eventually
1: reintegrate one by one. Oh sure. For sure. But here's what you also have to think about. Yeah. If they're used to having free roam. And free range around each other. All the time. And then all of a sudden. Boom. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, and it's just one-on-one. And they never see each other. I would even argue that that's kind of, co- that, that's comparable to cold turkey quitting. Yeah. Like um, you've got to wean them off of each other and then they slowly vanish from each other and then they yeah. slowly start to reappear. Anything with dogs, you have to pair the unfamiliar pressure with the familiar pressure. So yeah. if you're just replacing all of the familiar pressure with the unfamiliar pressure, you're not going to see lasting results. Hmm. If anything, you, might, you I might, I might caution you to, to question whether or not you're causing frustration, you know? Um, so you're developing a little bit of relevancy between you and each dog just on your own. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's good, but with every, with every session, what that you end with each dog and they're in a good mind state, Yeah. you know, and maybe they're even a, a little exhausted. Oh, I, w- I would maybe even start to integrate them, uh, reintroduce them to their litter mate in a different mind state. They don't even have to interact. They can just be in the crate next to where you're, um, doing your other session with the next dog.
0: Yeah. Does that make like- sense? Yes. And I'm not saying that they don't see each other at all. It's just during the training session that I'm only working with one mm.
1: at a time.
0: So during are you talking day- about
1: obedience training or behavioral training? Because behavioral training never ends. It's a lifestyle.
0: Um, more specific times of the day where I'm just focused on one dog at a time. So obedience, yes, but also kind of a relationship building Sort
1: of thing. Hmm. Your your ultimate goal is to integrate all of them back together, right? With with more relevancy, right? Yes. The more problem stru- is
0: you- so during structured time. Yes.
1: yes. 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 You won't see um the challenges any of the challenges that would present themselves um with a little bit of social pressure unless you willingly. Apply that social pressure with a, you know, at the pace at which you're ready to to do so. I, but but yeah. please do do not as a whole avoid it. You know, right? Um, when you're working with that with that dog, uh, what is it? Place training. Um, what kind you of know, training are you doing?
0: Um, we're doing more like figure eights and out in the yard in the front yard. So there are you know some distractions, but they're far enough away that it's not as scary. Um, mm-hmm. just as almost retraining the leash and looking at me when you're uncertain or just,
1: mm-hmm. I, know, I
0: guess the heel type stuff essentially is what it comes down to. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, some impulse control.
1: Mm-hmm. So good. I
0: have you in a sit and then, you know, we're on a long line, so you're still safe, but I can walk away and I can come back and I can walk away and I can come back and then mm-hmm. we're ready to keep moving. Then we start moving again. Can you do that with a litter mate on place?
1: I have not um, graduated to that level. Mm-hmm. That might be your next step, or maybe even just yeah. put them on a tie back so you can just ignore them and yeah. get all their feelings out about it. Um because if they have a, a bunch of feelings about that, they're never going to process those feelings unless you, you recreate the scenario in which they have yeah. to deal with them. But the tricky part is giving them only what they're able to digest at a time. So right. say that they go crazy because you're doing figure eights with one of the dogs, one of the littermates is going crazy, ballistic, losing their mind, barking you know, all the way at the end of the leash. Okay, what are some things that I know for certain are going to happen? Anxious dogs um, tend to spin. So I'm not going to tell you back on a slip lead. I'll push you on a swivel, maybe a flat collar. Yeah. Um, I'm going to make sure that I'm in a position where, you know, uh, like if you have neighbors that that mind barking maybe take take it somewhere else and tie the dog back to a tree or something and and work the other dog you know just maybe be cautious uh, um conscience of con yeah. <laughs> of your environment yeah <laughs> so and 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 considering all these things you know you can start to premeditate and you can even what because it sounds like when you're training your dogs you go into a kind of a zone where you're like i'm asking you to explain it to me and it and um it just kind of sounds like you're, you're going into it without a plan and you just kind of want to do what feels good. That's good. That tells me that it's yeah. but facilitate circumstances in which everyone has room to grow. So you're not just stay just escaping. You're not just going to Palm Springs with one of your friends and, and completely leaving the other one on red. You know what yeah. I mean? Like just te- to just text the other one back every here, every now and then, you know, but you're still on vacation in Palm Springs with your friend. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you just, you don't have to completely shut them out. Just make sure they can only take what they, what they can at a time. So in your instance, maybe I would go somewhere where they're allowed to make a lot of noise. because I know it might be a lot of noise. I'll make sure the dog is safe. I'll tie them back on a swivel. Mm-hmm. If the dog is going to chew through the leash and bolt towards us during our session, I'm going to make sure that dog has a muzzle on. I'm going to make sure that there's a place where the dog can decompress completely and, and um, come down and retain everything that it learned. I'm going to probably put a, a crate in the back of my car. Yeah. And um, and cover it up so that dog can rest after it comes after it takes a deep breath like this and lays down on the ground and, and shows me an increment, a fraction of a fraction, of a fraction of surrender. Then mm-hmm. then I will reward it with rest and, and I can put the other dog up that I was working with. I can put that dog up as well right next to it and they can just come down from that together. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Successful um moments yes um it doesn't have to be all three of them at the same time but i will i would i would urge you to start envisioning maybe uh when you're working with that dog one-on-one how you could integrate the other dog into it in a safe way yeah yeah so that they have um you know they're they're always working towards something that's uh that's generally more productive to the you know to the grander scheme of things
0: yeah for sure now one of the reasons why I wanted to talk with you about this today is um there a lot of rescues well, I shouldn't say a lot I know there are some uh, rescues out there who are either unfamiliar with the term littermate syndrome at all and what it means or they know that it exists but they don't
1: know what to look for. They don't know what it means. They don't know how to work through it. Be honest with you, unless you're a trainer, which it sounds like you set aside a lot of time in your day to train and learn about dogs, unless you're an, a genuine trainer, it's not ideal for a standard house pet situation. It really right. isn't. Right. Not, not unless you live on a, a, a ranch, you've got acres and acres of land where these two can get away from each other and breathe yeah. and decompress and you Like if you're in an apartment scenario, I'm not going to adopt you out two litter mate GSPs. That's just not how well, it's going right. go, You know, That's, yeah. it, it, honestly, it's not very smart for any rescue for your, for your standard, you know, individual that just wants to adopt a puppy mm-hmm. to, to tr- even try to sell them on the second puppy because it's unfair to them. You're getting, yeah. you're getting them into something that they have no idea what it might look like down the road. You know, right. the chances of success with one dog are a lot higher than if, if, you were trying to integrate both at the same time and it was confusing and there were emotions involved. You know, it's just not, it's just not fair. Right. Um, I would caution rescues just in general to adopt out separately. And I, I, um, I think I'm only working from now on with rescues that do, that, yeah. that, that are educated on the topic that know the detriments of it, what can happen down the line. Not, we're not going to be lazy and um, you know, just do a two for one. It's not fair right. to the dog.
0: Now, um, w- I mean, is it possible for puppies to become bonded? And is are bonded pairs an actual thing,
1: or uh, <laughs> more um, often than not, you uh, bring the puppies to a psych trainer and they, they like a well-renowned psych trainer, and they'll tell you whether or not those dogs are um, long-term compatible um, in in one household. But you know, generally, we should, uh, generally speaking, the, we should consider each dog to have its own um route to success it can do so without the other dog the most relevant factor should be the human and the handler yeah um so if we uh, we're talking bonded pairs i mean i think that's a really emotional thing that's right um, that is projected (laughs) upon during the time of rescue that's what i
0: I I, was starting to feel too because you know seeing shelters label animals as bonded pairs i mean i've seen animals i don't know what person. the politics
1: of it are i don't know what the politics of it are i don't know if it a if right. uh, bonded pair makes it makes it easier for both of them to get out at once if so you know I'm all, I'm all for that but we should definitely consider the possibility of adopting them out separately because every dog deserves their own chance at stabilization their own their own uh, personalized individualized journey towards right. um you know, living, living in a household, being a house pet and, and having that just be a very normal experience without, um, uh, much interference from, cause you know, if you think about it, if you, if you adopt out a bonded pair and those absolutely have to be adopted out together, then it maybe instead of rehabbing one dog, you end up rehabbing two dogs. And that's just right. so much stress for your average person. Like yes, adopting one dog that needs to be rehabilitated into a balanced pack, uh, or, or, or it, even into someone's stable home, the chances of success are, are way higher. Yeah. Um, I I'm not going to say that bonded pairs aren't a thing yeah uh, but I am going to say that for the most part when I see quote unquote bonded pair and the dogs are brought in for evaluation I can think of 17 some ways of how those dogs could succeed on their own in separate households and yeah. um, and that's the truth I don't I don't think that uh, any dogs are genuine I mean every every dog has the capability to adapt to um they, they just have such high adaptability right. capabilities. abilities i don't think that we should ever undercut that you know it, it's it's important to let them live out their full potential we'll never do that if we're stuck on they'll never do that if we are trapping them in the story of how and when they got rescued right. we need to free them i don't care if they were if they were um their skulls were bashed in or they were burned with battery acid dogs don't hang on to the trauma the way that we we expect them to they're not like yeah. us they're 100 percent present moment so they say so when I well, we got someone in the puppy social the other day and they said oh he was abused He's from a shelter this dog was like a Rhodesian Ridgeback mix I mean like a really hardy dog yeah. you know and and his tail was out the whole time and he was wagging it he was he was uh out. he had a lot of um playfulness about him yeah. but he had learned from muscle memory that she's stuck in his story so he starts screaming a certain way and he gets whatever he wants um, same thing with another rescue dog, uh, and you know she felt really bad. To explain to her, here's the tail, watch the eyes, watch the ears. This is a happy-go-lucky dog that has just learned some muscle memory that that knows how to control you with uh, that knows a little mind control now,
0: uh, yeah. based on
1: your emotions. And and you know, and there's another. We got a pity chihuahua right now that I won't say the name because I don't know who's listening to this, but yeah, um, we had her on the treadmill. Now the treadmill is a good tool for neutralizing fight and flight. Mm -hmm. um so i had this dog on the treadmill and i i you know the head's turned around and i'm I'm standing behind her and i hear like this and then i and then i'm like whoa okay what's that about moving a little bit closer just to kind of see yeah and the eyes turn around they look like serial killer eyes (laughs) oh my god very very tactful you know and just repeats the sound while staring right in my eyes like yeah like oh my god you learned that that's a learned behavior you know, that's like a party trick. Right. So we, we shouldn't underestimate these dogs and what they're capable of, because they yeah. uh, the more we kind of allow them to live in the present moment, the more we and the beauty about dogs, is they bring us into the present moment. The more we oh, join them sure. in the present moment, the happier we both will be. And, and we don't have to hang on to, uh, you know, the trauma for the dogs. They already are actively releasing it. You ever seen a tripod a dog yeah. with three legs? just running around like nothing happened Yep. because no one's looking at it going, Oh, poor baby. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know, oh, I yeah, mean, I've seen are, the
1: two-legged no dogs. Big. Yeah. Like, and they're chilling. No they problems.
0: They're happy. Go lucky. Life yeah. is great. Right. Right. And we yeah. just
1: got to let them have that. We can't just, we can't wait. Imagine if I tapped that dog on the shoulder, but hey, no, but Hey, remember when you were hit with that car, dude, right. let it go. Just let it go. Yeah. You know, they just want to they just want to live in the present moment. That's what that's where they're the happiest. Now, yeah. now, when we start looking at them with sorry eyes and we get a little worried about them or we feel guilty for whatever their situation was, et cetera, you know, all they feel is the guilt and the and the, and the sorrow and the weakness coming mm-hmm. off of us. That's all that they feel. They don't they don't they don't have capacity for anything else. They just go up weak, weak, weak. Can't follow that. Can't follow that. Now, now I'm going to become reactive. I got to keep my head on a swivel. I don't know what's coming after you too. I got to protect you too. Yeah. (laughs) So, so, you know, we have to, we have to really check ourselves at the door. You know, if, if you are um, working a dog and you absolutely have to work that dog and I, I go through this all the time and, and, um, you know, I've got some feelings that you need to let go of before you get into it with that dog. Just, mm-hmm. just spend some time at the at the door, um, uh, focusing on your breath and and um, going into kind of a more meditative state of mind, state of uh receiving and letting go, receiving and letting go, just focusing yeah. on the breath, and that's that's gonna really help you. You know, instead um instead of feeling sorry for a dog, I, I would caution you to not expose that um, strange kind of emotion to them because they don't know what to do with that. And just put yourself in a position of, um, leadership and constantly seeking, um, little things to approve th- uh, of them and guide them through. So like that, that's really the only two vibes that I like to, um, that, th- those two waves I like to ride. So I'm going to yeah. look for things to approve of you, like pr- approve you or whatever, like yeah. give you my approval on, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to just just guide you through difficult or confusing situations and I won't feel sorry for you I, I promise you that you can trust me yeah you know I won't I won't lead you into any danger I won't pet you when you're scared et cetera. Et cetera.
0: right now when you say you know doing things that or having the dog do things that you are able to give them approval on um you mm-hmm. know in kind of the you know layman's terms is that more like things that a dog would do that you would reward them for
1: no, 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 I'm just okay. I'm just hanging out with them, trying. I am trying to get a feel for the dog. literally, what i what I what I was talking about right there was just hanging out with the dog, waiting for them to do something cool and 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 vibe and migrating with them after that or celebrating with that. So um, anything, with them after that. you know, if they so, sniff
0: something, if they hear a noise well, and they look a certain way and then they look back at you like those yes, sorts of things.
1: Exactly. So okay. uh, I'll give you an example. So a dog is is going across. The fence and i have like a formerly reactive dog but we know it was all because of the human or whatever they were resource guarding the human or whatever so i'm i'm out here evaluating the dog the dog looks at another dog gets a little excited starts to kind of stomp his feet a little bit tail goes up and back and forth and he looks at me because he expects me to be scared i i don't choke up on the leash instead i give him more leash Mm -hmm. to give him a lot of opportunity to and this all happens within like three to five seconds uh, to, to follow me and then i'll just say hey good job let's go and the dog follows me and i'm celebrating that uh by in his language by migrating like turning the same direction migrating with him and then kind of going into like a nice little prancing mode and the the dogs really enjoy that so that um migrating with a dog facing the same way and walking in the same direction is actually it feels very uh like very much like approval to them and and you know facing in towards them confronting them choking up on the leash all that feels very like uh you know confrontational like an adversary kind of stance and i i don't um As much as I can, especially when I'm just getting to know a dog and that process can take up to like, I don't know, three or four weeks sometimes, you know, when I'm just getting to know them before I give them instructions, I need to make sure they trust me to lead. And if they, if they're going to trust me to lead, then my vibe has to be impeccable. (laughs) So I'm not going to, I'm not going to stand there and worry about something that could go wrong to the point where I create it. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, those things are just very subtle, like nuancy things you learn from repetition. It's just hands on. It's every single day.
0: Yeah. So, so like, what are the key takeaways or what are the key points that people should be aware of when it comes to litter mates or even, um, don't kind of adopt that
1: bonded pairs. <laughs> <laughs> don't adopt litter mates, adopt <laughs> them out separately, please rescues. Um, and because people don't know what they, they just, they're mm-hmm. operating from their heart and their feelings and you just right. got to be kind, just adopt right. them out separately. I mean, um, with, and bonded in, pairs always have a choice they always have a chance in a separate household yeah. i would even argue that it could prevent anxiety if you remove their crate right. earlier on when they're ready yes yeah. and honestly like the same way that i was i was explaining to you with your litter mate situation you can wean them off of each other it doesn't have to be this or that or this or that just as long as a human offers instructions and the dog can't run over to the other dog sit and lean on their feet in, yeah. in an insecure way as long as the dog can't do that they're actually, they're working on their anxiety. They're making it so that they have nothing else to lean on. They're learning how to swim instead of sink. Okay. That, that kind of stuff is really important for a dog's confidence. Mm Um, I'm not saying remove their crutches right away. I mean, I I've had dogs, um, arrive here that needed suckling blankets for the first couple of weeks. And, um, you know, and I slowly, I'm like, okay, I want to remind you that you're an adult dog. You're, you're, you're a good and confident dog. I'm just try to get you back to the point where you can look at a bone, pick it up, and chew it. You know, yeah. that I, I need a dog to remember that they're a freaking dog. You know, before I can even start to flood them with any kind of new information, I need them to know <laughs> they're a dog. <laughs> like yeah. hey man, everything's okay because you're not a human, even though you've been humanized, I promise you don't be confused. You're a dog. You don't have that much responsibility in this world. We got all of it taken care. Um, or I'm going to take all of, take care of all of it for you. And you can just relax and be a dog. Every time something comes up, you're uncertain about, look at me. I got it under control. I'm going to handle it. You know, yeah. I'll give you instructions and and we'll, um, we'll get through this. Um, but you know, you'd be surprised like the amount of boarding trains that I get here, they don't even know what to do with the phone. They don't even know how to pick it up or, or they don't have any transport. They don't have any sense of like, this is how you clean your teeth and, yeah. in your natural world. They don't even think about that uh you know but that the uh saliva secretion and even just the act of chewing is actually like super regulating for them Mm -hmm. um so it's really important for them to do that so before i start to kind of crack down and 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 do like real place training or jump box training and, and decompression without interacting kind of that really important behavioral stuff i will make sure the dog remembers that their dog Like get them back to a really primal state and and some dogs i've had to switch over like a Vesla once i had to switch over to a completely raw diet because he was just so like i think he was like on um you know i won't i won't say it on here but it was like a a type of kibble that's really common and he was just not feeling good um Mm -hmm. and not retaining the information uh he was really athletic but he had no focus and he had no motivation so i just changed his diet he was like a rock star after that it was just you know I, I had to gauge how much he would eat at a time I started with two patties broad it was just the, the cheaper brand like instinct mm-hmm. um and then I I would wait see if he finished it if he did I threw one more in there he got to the point where he was eating like 10 patties a day I oh, was wow. like five in the morning and five at night and he he's like shredded now like yeah. <laughs> it looks awesome Dang. you know but his body just needed the nutrients Right. And his poop looked better. Like he was pooping in a circle, and it was all like liquidy, like before. And I was like, you know, your gut needs some help, man. So we developed yeah. some good bacteria in that gut, and then he was, you know, happy gut, happy mutt. Right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Any, anyways, um, if you did already adopt littermates, a lot of your life's going to be, uh, management. You've got, yeah. you've got to teach the dogs how to regulate themselves when the other littermate is being interacted with and provided with guidance. They yeah. can't just pack up and un- constantly uh, make decisions without you. But uh, uh, on the other hand, you can't completely avoid the problem. You've got to slow drip it back in. Mm-hmm. You've got to reintegrate them in a way that is if they, if they can't be respectful, create more space between them. And if you sense respect from two particular dogs out of the three, start to integrate those two, you know, yeah. and then maybe have the other one in a far off working crate so they can just watch the two of you guys work Uh on a play command and a place command and then just break and play and then and return to place. And then the other one break and play and return to place. Like that kind of stuff is extremely helpful. The impulse control that you're talking about, build some distance and build some duration with each individual yeah. dog and then try bringing them both into it. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Well, I feel like this is, this is a good conversation. This is something that, you know, moving forward, hopefully more rescues do take notice and, like the emotional side of it kind of is removed from here's the caveat. adoption process
1: well rescue was all emotion I in mean, order to save yeah. any of these dogs they need to appeal to emotion so right. the more heart-wrenching the story this is the tricky part yeah. the more heart-wrenching the story the more likely the dog is to get adopted but then the more likely it is that it's going to be extremely difficult for the uh, potential adopter or the new owner to drop the story and let the dog live on from that. So that's the trickiest part for me is I'm trying to find a balance. I'm having to set my boundaries with rescues and Mm -hmm. I'm having to be very uh, counterintuitive. I've always been uh, an advocate for dogs, but uh, you've got to set boundaries with, let's just start with this. You got to set boundaries with your own emotions. Yeah you know, set parameters around that so you can act right and always think clearly. Mm -hmm. And then you have to set boundaries with people who don't have boundaries with their emotions. Right. (laughs) Because how is, what is the best way to teach you? Teach by being. Yeah. You see, so that's what your dogs are doing when one of them feels nervous. The other ones are trying to be like, hey, a little buck up soldier. Yeah. The team needs you. I Um, will say
0: I have definitely learned so much about myself through these three guys, like I have grown so much in the past five years and I've definitely learned from them. I'm fortunate that we're in a position where I can keep them all safely. And I mean, they all get along very well together. Like we don't have Mm -hmm. any problems within the house.
1: How much space do you have? Do you have enough space for that? Because realistically, you know, you need like a good amount of space in order for that amount of energy to be breathable.
0: Yes you know, and we do like we have i don't know just over 2 acres fenced in so outside beautiful. they have plenty well of space done. inside the house we have plenty of space well so done.
1: yes they do very nice
0: yeah so but and i mean that's also good to know too
1: right but like not everyone has that much space right um but i just want people to think about how pressure reacts as the proximity kind of closes in yeah. you know um pressure Uh, with buildup can cause, and you hear about it all the time. The littermates fighting, moms Mm -hmm. trying to kill daughters, daughters trying to kill mothers. Yep. Uh, dads and brothers, and you know, then and then the weird. Situations where they could potentially breed, like that, all of that is a high. It's very avoidable, you know. Yes. Um, but, anyways, if you think about it, energy, especially like stronger, higher drive uh, breeds, like think mm-hmm. about like uh, Malamutes and Shepherds, and and you know, yeah, uh, those kinds of dogs in a in a smaller space, there's more likely to be a fight because of all that energy represents, kind of like a pressure buildup. And think about yeah. the space is there enough? Is there enough space to create ventilation for that energy? If not, consider rehoming one of the dogs yeah you know uh it's not what it sounds like you have enough room for it to breathe for some of that pressure to be released not everyone is going to have that so i would even argue uh, maybe with uh, bonded pairs or litter mates let's do a home check and see just how much room they have and make sure that this is a a good fit prior to adopting them both out not saying that it can't work. I'm saying it's circumstantial. We should really mm-hmm. delve into the details of it before we make any serious decisions. Yeah. Um, like, say you have two acres, but maybe you have 14 family members. That wouldn't be an ideal situation, right? <laughs> right. You know? It would just be. It would be dependent on. Uh, we, you know, rescue would have to delve into the the um, details of it. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So and then the the drives of the dogs. I mean, obviously, two Cavapoos are not going to be the same as two right. um, European Dobermans, right? You know? Um, so yeah, all of that, you just consult a behavioral trainer and you you should be fine. What's the easiest way for people to
0: find a reputable behavioral trainer?
1: Um, a lot of people found me on Instagram and word of mouth. So I, I wouldn't even be able to tell you. Um, but just, uh, go to people you trust, you know, um, ask for references, um, Sometimes you can email people and say, "Hey, I really am interested in your training style because you know people have everyone the dog training world. Everyone's like friends or adversaries. Actually, if yeah, you think about that. But, I mean, yes, I've <laughs> but, seen that too. But just you know, we're all generally speaking, we all like to support each other. So if you yeah. let's say that um, you know you're in um, you're in your or you're in Chino, but you reach out to me and I'm in your Belinda, and they go, well, I don't live close to your Belinda. I actually live in Chino. Do you know of any good.'" behavioral dog trainers out here and yeah, I'd go, yeah, humble canine, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that, and vice versa, they, if they're in Chino and there's, Hey, I got someone in Orange County. Yeah. Well, I'll refer you to a Royal canine. Yeah. Um, you know, and I guess, uh, up North there's like this, this, uh, training company called Primal canine. I bet I've been talking about them because I guess okay. one of our pitties is going over there. Um, you know, and I just found them on Instagram. I don't even know them personally, but I, yeah. I just like their training style and people that I trust know them. So, yeah. um, things like that, you know, just, um, staying connected and, and doing your research and, Hey, I really like this style of training. I, I can't reach them personally because I'm not in that area, but maybe I can email them and say, Hey, do mm-hmm. you know of anyone out here? Yeah. Um, you know, things like that. Yeah. Are you still doing any virtual sessions? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah I am. I don't, I don't have, um a lot of time right now but maybe like starting again uh let's see what day is it today uh uh, friday it's thursday today thursday maybe like next uh starting next thursday i'll start booking again
0: okay so what's the easiest way if people want to reach out to you you know say they really liked what they heard today how do they know
1: they can just they can dm me they can dm me yeah i'm just uh you know, it's, it's really um, dependent on – if people are flexible, you know, and they, they they like, kind of – I just base their personality on, like, I respond right away. Like, how flexible are they? They um, pour their whole schedule out into the DM in the beginning. Because then I'll be like, oh, let me text you in between two sessions tomorrow and see what you're doing. You know, because yeah. I know they'll respond right away. The response time is good. But um, I've had people that take, like, two or three days to respond to me. Those aren't the people I'm going to text in that, in that amount of time. You know, I'm always basing mm-hmm. it off the of care I've had someone book a Zoom with me, and then they refused to pay. Oh my god! So, yeah, they th- they thought it was complimentary. So I was like, on uh, there, and they tried to negotiate w- with me and say, yeah. "Oh, just just half. I'll give you half." And I was like, you know what? Keep your money, man. I'll put it. I'll put you under pro bono and blacklist you. You're fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god.
0: Well, Mo, thank you so much. This has yeah. been uh, so amazing, and I hope this helps people and rescues out there who want to know more about, you know, can I adopt puppies together or should I, or should I not? So
1: I wouldn't recommend that. No.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs>
1: awesome. I just don't, not for your average, you know, right. Yeah. Not for average. Yeah. For sure. All right. girly. Thank time. you. All right. Peace yeah. out.
0: Bye. for listening if you liked what you heard please rate review and subscribe if you have ideas for future guests please email me at the animal rescue podcast at gmail.com or follow me at the animal rescue pod on instagram